My name is David. I'm the site pastor here at Grace Covenant in Sterling. It's good to see you. I missed you. I, uh, so if, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, uh, you don't miss me. But I've, <laughs> I've, been, in, uh, I've been in Krakow, Poland and, uh, with a missions team. We had uh, 11 people from our Sterling congregation go to Krakow, Poland to serve our church and campus ministry on the campus of AGH. Uh, and uh, before I get into the message, it'll be a very brief message today. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to give my short update on the trip to give you a glimpse of what's happened. And then over the next few weeks and months, we'll have opportunities to hear from other people who went on the trip and what their experience was like. So you can start to piece together a, a larger picture of, uh, of what's possible when you go out on the missions field. Uh, so I've got a couple pictures I want to share with you. Uh, we, we, did a, we did a tool, or we use a tool called the God Test, and it's a survey. It's 10 questions about your, your faith in God or not faith in God, depending on whether you're an atheist, agnostic, or, or believer in God. And so if you believe in God, there's, the first question is, do you believe in God? And then if you say yes, we have nine more questions about your belief in God to get you to talk about it and just listen and, and kind of unwrap your belief in God. If you're an agnostic and you're like, ah, maybe I ascend to a higher power. Uh, I believe that maybe there is a God. I'm not sure who he is. We keep you on that side. And we'll ask you questions like, how would you describe God? Right? So what is this power like? Who, who, is it a person? Is it a thing? Is it, pers- is it impersonal? Is it a force? Is it in everything? Or, you know, talk about it and describe. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it neutral? And just starting to, starting to work that out. And then after that, we ask the question, does God have expectations of you? And so that, that, now there's this God who exists out there and has some sort of attributes. And then, you, then you've got to wrestle with the question, well, does this God expect anything of me? And if he does, the next question is, how are you meeting those expectations? It's kind of, right, like if you're answering these questions in your own mind, you're like, okay, well, God expects these things of me. And then you're like, how well are you doing at meeting those expectations? And then it gets a little bit nervous, right? Because there's this God that I don't think about often that has expectations of me that I'm not meeting. And then we relieve the pressure just a little bit. And we ask the question, if you believe in heaven, you know, is there an afterlife? Is this life all that there is or is there something beyond now? And so, you know, that you get lots of really interesting answers about what heaven is, whether or not heaven exists and, and, and how it goes and, um, after death. And then after that, it's does everyone go to heaven? Right? Because now we've got this God who has expectations that we aren't meeting and there's this eternal life. There's life beyond the 85 years that we have, roughly speaking, on this earth. And there's, there's something else that God desires for us to have, but not everybody goes. Right? And these, these, these just people are working this out in their mind because the reality is we, we uh, Dr. Rice Brooks, the man who wrote the God test, said we build our theology like we catch a cold. It's through casual contact. You pick up one thing on Oprah. You pick up another thing on Dr. Phil. Judge Judy gave you a little bit of wisdom one time. You know, <laughs> when those people were fighting about their cats. You know, and, and, and so you just pick up these different ideas and you piece it together. And you put, this, you put together this, this piecemeal theology. The reality is we, we all have theology. Theology is called, it's just a fancy word for the study of God. So we all have theology. Some of it's just much more on purpose than others. And so we piece it together, but by having this conversation and drawing out people's thoughts on on the subject, it forces them to think about, wow, 
man, my, my system isn't very consistent. So we ask, you know, if there is a heaven that everybody doesn't go. So that kind of raises the question, do you, do you think you're going to heaven? Right? And the God, it's not all about heaven. Christianity is not just about heaven. There's much more to our faith than just salvation in heaven. And that's what we're going to talk about today when we get to the message. But there's so much more happening. So we, we do that. And then there's the other side of the test. The other side of the test is for people who don't believe in God. I love the other side of the test. And I know I didn't do all the questions. You're going to have to come take a God test training to get the rest of the questions. So there's a side for people who don't believe in God. Right? How have you responded when somebody said they don't believe in God? <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> so what's cool is we've got, we've got questions. Again, to draw out what people believe. I, I, I am guilty of having somebody say that they, they believed in God. And I was like, great. Well, I'm going to hammer you with what the Bible says about what God is. And then I found out after I was done preaching at them for 20 minutes that they didn't believe in the Bible. <laughs> and so my proof text was irrelevant to them. Right, so that's the, the value of this conversation is that you're listening and you're hearing what their things are. Like, what, what, are, what are their challenges? What are the things that they accept? What are the things that they would accept as valid evidence of God? And what are the things they don't accept as valid evidence of God? And then you can use their evidence to prove God to them. Does that make sense? You with me? Yeah. Tracking? So the God test on the, on the atheist side, uh, do you believe in God? They say no, and then you follow up with, why not? What are the main reasons you don't believe in God? It's a good question, isn't it? The conversation's not over. That person has ideas and thoughts and, and a worldview that you can listen to and you can, you can come to a place of understanding and, and if you understand where they're coming from, it'll be a whole lot easier to minister to them. I will tell you that my experience is that most people that don't believe in God, it's not that they don't believe in God, it's that they're mad at God. And it's a lot easier to be mad at God or disappointed with God than it is to believe in God. I mean, it's a lot easier to not believe in God than it is to have a God that you're mad at or a God that you disagree with. Because God, by definition, is sovereign and he's going to bend us to him. So, so that's kind of, a, it's a difficult thing to wrestle with. So that people will say, I don't believe in God. And well, why don't you believe in God? Because my mom died of cancer. Right? You see, like, because we have pain in our life doesn't mean the non-existence of God. It means that there's something else existing as well. It means there's more going on than meets the eye, and maybe we should search that out and figure out what's going on. So anyway, there are additional questions about, about that as well that get into the philosophy that, of the person that doesn't believe in God. And then in both cases, you can have the opportunity to pray with them or describe your belief at the end. So that's what we're doing on campus. This is a picture of the, oh, if you could go back to the first picture. It's, this is a group of, this is the first guy that we God tested on the ground. That's why Oscar's so happy. <laughs> so Oscar, Oscar's in our congregation. And, and he's, he's so happy because he hadn't seen the God test done before. And so he thought evangelism meant asking people that they believe in God and then telling them why they're wrong. And so this particular conversation, I think the guy's name was Lucas, or the Polish version of Lucas. And uh, we were talking, do you believe in God? He's like, yeah, maybe. I said, okay, we'll, we'll do the believe side. We're just going to say that you believe for the sake of argument. I said, how would you describe God? And he's kind of wrestling with it. And then, then I hit pause on the test. And I was like, what was the last time you thought about God? You know, realizing that, you know, this is an unusual thing to think about. And he's like, two weeks ago. 
I'm like, what? Like, not what I expected at all. And so then he starts to describe, like, he had this moment where, where he was really wrestling with whether or not there was a God and what would God be like if he was real. And it was like, well, here, we're just here to let you know that he is. <laughs> like, to just affirm that and confirm that to you, that God is real and he's got your number and he cares about you, he loves you, and he gave you that thought to think about him two weeks ago so that it could be fulfilled in a conversation now. Just want to let you know. And so, you know, Oscar was blown away that we didn't just punch him in the face when he didn't believe in God that we believe in. <laughs> and Anna's just always happy. So, um, so, so I asked for a selfie because I, yeah. So uh, next picture. And so here, here's the cool thing about doing missions with our Every Nation family is that we know the people on the ground who we're, who we're working with. And so in Every Nation, we have uh, a mission of establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in Every Nation. And so we have a special emphasis on church planting, campus ministry, and world missions. And on a 10 days missions trip, we put all three of them together and you get to see them all working. So we go serve the, the local church that we have established in Krakow by ministering on their college campus. And we're the world missionaries in this case. And so we come alongside of them. And this is Demas, Demas with the glasses on the far left. He's from Peru. He was on our team. And then um, uh, Tomek has the, the red hat on. He just quit his job as an accountant last month to go full-time into campus ministry and serve the campus of AGH and the surrounding campuses in Krakow. Um, in Krakow, has 20% of the population of that city are college students when school is in session. And so it is, a, it is a really, really old town city because Hitler wanted to keep it for himself, so he didn't level it. He kept it and kept it intact because that's where his headquarters were going to be. And then... Um, but now it's a really, really old town filled with really, really young people who are open to the gospel. So it's, it's amazing. The conversations, there's an openness for a conversation. They want to practice their English. And what better thing to talk about than God? And so, so those are two of the people that were on our team. And then the other three gentlemen are people that we reached out to with the God test and had conversation with. What's cool about this picture is it was taken after we left. This picture was taken this week during the follow-ups because we don't just minister to the people and leave and just be like, well, hope that works out, <laughs> which I've done that kind of trip. It's kind of like, it's kind of strange, right? You're like, well, I hope they don't just wander into like a satanic church and think we were talking about the same thing. So um, this guy, this guy, um, Mateusz in the red shirt right next to, between Demas and Tomek, uh, we met him on, on a park bench. They have this, they have this park bench area where uh, the, the college student, is the one place in Poland where people can, or in Krakow, that people can drink in public. And so they do from like 9 a.m., well, basically all night, the whole day. And so there were always people there ready to have a conversation. <laughs> always. It was like primed for it. I'm amazed at how the world system sets it up for us to be able to do ministry. Harris Teeter has set up an evangelistic ministry for Pastor Donnell. She goes and people just want to talk to her about God, right? Like the checkout clerks have questions for her. Hey, you look like a person who knows. Can you help me? Right? And so in this case, they set up a square where people were going to drink and be relaxed and be merry. And we're going to come talk about Jesus. So it's actually, it was pretty great. Right? So, but he was sitting there and, and we got to the question about uh, does God have expectations and how are you meeting those expectations? His answer was, well, it's 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm drinking beer. <laughs> He's like, 
I don't think it's going well for me. <laughs> and so I loved, his, I loved his sense of humor. I loved his lightness. And so I was like, I was like we, we called him Chuba because we had a difficult time with his name. And so Chuba, that's his last, his last name is Chuba. We didn't just name him Chuba. That would have been inappropriate and weird on a missions trip. Mateusz <laughs> Chuba. No, 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 no. It's Tomek. No, no, no. It's Shemek. His name is Shemek. I've been lying to you this whole testimony. His name is Shemek. And why it's hard to pronounce is because it's spelled like P-R-Z-Y-C-L something. I'm not exaggerating. It really is. I will bet you money. No. So, um, so, so Shemek. Shemek. But he said that's his short name. So he said the long name. And we were like, bro. He goes, call me Chuba. Thank you, Chuba. So anyway, he gets to that. He's like, so I, I don't think I'm doing well. And, and so we were able to encourage him. It was me and um, who was with me? It was Justin, right? It was you and me. And we were like, that beer is going to be the best decision you've ever made in your life. And we continued the conversation and he asked awkward questions about Justin's blackness, right? What's it like to be black in America? What's it like to be black in Poland? Right? Like all bets are off when there's a beer in someone's hand. <laughs> <laughs> and so we invited him back to the different events and he ended up coming out to a God's Not Dead event and committing to go through the Purple Book and committing to discipleship and he wants to know and walk and live with Jesus. Pretty cool, huh? So, y'all, family, we can't be scared of a neighbor holding a beer at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right? Like if we had been repulsed by it, we never would have had this conversation. Yeah, so good. And so, uh, so one more story. I don't have a picture uh, of him, but there was, a, there was a young man who the whole team ministered to. His name is Kareem. Kareem is from Egypt. And um, Kareem, we met him in the beginning of the week. And as the week went on, he shared little parts of his story with different people. But as he told each person a part of his story, it was a part that that person could relate to. Like only God can do. He's like, why do children have to suffer to a, to a mom whose child was sexually abused as a child? She was able to minister to why children have to suffer. He'd experienced loss in his life, and so he talked to Dan, who's experienced loss in his life, and they were able to engage about, about the pain of loss. He talked to someone else about, he, about the fact that he's sick. He's very sick, and the doctors, are, are, they don't know how to, how to cure him, but he described all of his symptoms to a girl who has had the exact same symptoms. And after people laid hands on her and prayed for her, after seven years, she was completely healed without medical intervention. Just the Holy Spirit came and healed this woman. And so he shares that part of his story with her. And then, so on Friday night, I had the, or I guess Thursday night, um, I, saw, I saw him sitting there, and so I sat down next to him. I was like, Kareem, what do you need to know? Right? Brian Schweppe had been ministering to him. Uh, at a, so the way that they do clubs on campus and, and you reserve a room, you, you reserve a room that's a bar at the same time. So you're in this literally a club. It's not like a bistro on a college, nice college campus the way we do it. So you're in there doing ministry, and people are coming in and getting beers and partying while you're having a ministry meeting. And so it's kind of raw. It's awesome. Reminded me, it took me back to college ministry. And so Brian Schweppe administered, everybody ministered to this young man. I said, what do you need to know to confess Jesus as your Lord? He said, I need a smoke. I said, let's go get a smoke. 
And then I said, not us, you. And we went outside and he's smoking a cigarette and we're talking. And before that cigarette was over, he was ready to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Okay. So, so Kareem, I love Kareem. He, <laughs> I love Kareem. He, uh, the previous nights, he, he also loved the alcohol. I'm not trying to glorify alcohol or paint any sort of picture. It's just these two stories are unique. Um, we walk back inside and Kareem looks at me. He goes, hey, wait a second. <laughs> Can I drink still? <laughs> and I was like, how about you read the Bible and tell me if you can drink? Right? But he was counting the cost. It was cool. And that was the first cost that came to mind. Right? You've counted the cost too. That's what's kept you from doing some things. You just counted it ahead of time. He jumped in and was like, wait a second. <laughs> What is this going to cost me? It's like, you're in now, bro. You're in now. Read your Bible. <laughs> right? So he's in. He's in the pool. And he's going, what did I do? So I was like, just read your Bible. He goes, he goes that's fine. But what about tonight? <laughs> and I was like, just make it one. Just make it one. Just take it easy. Don't get drunk. And he went and got an orange juice. So, so but, but you know what's cool is he used the liberty that he had in Christ to go get an orange juice. Right? This guy who was so free, living his own life the way he wanted to live it, was bound and captive to alcohol. He surrenders his life, and he used his freedom to get an orange juice. Cool, huh? So... So those are just a couple, of the, a couple of the stories. And we're going to have different people come up and share different parts of the trip at different times. So we did the God test. Over 25 people responded to the gospel with prayers of repentance and salvation. Um, and that's just from the American and, Pol- uh, and Peruvian team that went to serve them. Um, the, uh, the team on the ground, the, the Polish team also led some people to Christ as well. And they're doing all the follow-up and we're excited about that. Two years ago when we went, we gave them like 130 contacts and we were like, well, good luck, you know, and, and good luck following up all these people. This year they said, hey, could you just leave us 30 or 40 strong contacts, people who are warm to conversation and want more. And, and God met that. And we were able to give, give them 40 contacts of people like Shemek and these two other young men and Kareem and, and others who uh, are hungry to be discipled. Uh, last week, by, by one count, at least 12 of those 40 have already showed up a small group and are already in meetings. Um, and then we've got a couple of other people who are going to stay a little bit longer. I guess, Oscar, you got to be there. So uh, Oscar stayed a little bit longer and got to do some of that ministry. And it's just exciting. Uh, to know that they're going to be followed up with, with uh, by family that has the same values on the same mission with the same purpose. And, and I know that what they're going to get is good. Uh, we ministered to people from over 10 nations. I personally met people from uh, Madagascar, Cameroon, France, and Fiji, uh, in, in addition to Ukraine and Poland. And so when, when we go on these trips, we, we have the opportunity to minister to nations and show, gospel, show, show Christ, show the gospel to the world. Um, two thoughts about the missions trip, and then we'll get to this very short sermon. Uh, all of this works here too. God met us in a remarkable way because we asked for him to meet us in a remarkable way. 
God moved in power and transformed our lives because we sought him to do so. And so these these results that we saw on the missions field aren't something that are limited to Europe. It's not something that's limited to other places. It's something that God desires to do right here in our lives today. We just have to seek him and ask him and make ourselves available for him to do it. Uh, One person on the team has already led a friend to Jesus using the God test since we came back. Because in the airport, she goes, you know what I'm realizing through all of this? Is that I've got no excuse not to do this when we get home. And so she did it faithfully. She used Facebook even to engage her friend in the God test. And he responded by surrendering his life to Jesus. Come on. Guys, this is exciting. This is is amazing. So the nations were touched. So now for a very brief message. Celebrating baptisms is so much fun because we celebrate the salvation that's come to someone's life. Um, I want to remind us, though, that God isn't done with us at salvation. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, it wasn't only for our salvation though our salvation is a result of it. He died so that we could be restored and reunited with the Father so that we could be transformed from death to life. All of those things that we focused on already are absolutely positively true, but that's, that's only a part of what he died to do, of what he rose from the dead to initiate. When Christ came, he came declaring this message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the king of heaven, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are, are basically the same idea. You'll see in scripture, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, it's, it's the same thing. Um, Jews back in the day and even today may hesitate to say kingdom of God because they don't want to disrespect the name of God and hold it casually. And so what they'll do is say kingdom of heaven and the same thing was, was done then. But it's the same idea, the same concept that God started everything with creation and a purpose, on purpose and with a purpose and now he wanted to restore that purpose on earth. And when he died and rose from the dead, he restored us to us, which is part of that kingdom of heaven restoration that happened with the, re- the resurrection of Jesus. He, sa- he saved us from our sins and we needed, that saving, uh, we needed that saving so desperately. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It also says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need a savior. We're, we're, we are deserving of judgment. We have a spiritual legal problem with God. It's he set the law, we broke it and we need to be restored to him. And he was pleased to step into our place so that we could be restored to him. But he also opened up the opportunity for a greater kind of life. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, and actually, if you could stand with me to read this passage, because just as an exercise, what we're doing, Pastor Donnell, is we started reading by standing up so that we don't treat the Bible with the same reverence as we treat ESPN, the ESPN app that you're looking at. Awkward. (laughs) Matthew chapter 13, one verse, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, 
which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. I ask that you would stir our hearts for your kingdom today, for your purpose today, and we would see that you're up to far more and greater and bigger and grander things than we ever dared think. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So in my remaining three minutes, we're going to fast forward this thing. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, and it's a treasure that's hidden in such plain view that we ignore it. It's the one that we walk by time and time and time and time again. The kingdom of heaven is that prompting in your heart to stop and help that person. The kingdom of heaven is that prompting that where, where the Holy Spirit presses on you and says, hey, come spend time with me. It's when you walk by that family Bible on your, on your coffee table that's like this thick and has recorded <laughs> marriages, you know, and, and you walk by it and you're like, oh, there's that book again. And God's like, no, 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 go read it. Go open it up. I've got something I want to say to you. I've got something I want to share with you. It's hidden in such plain view. It's so common. It's so ordinary, just like Jesus was, that if we're not paying attention, we're going to miss it. We're going to walk right past the opportunity to demonstrate compassion and humility and love and the power of the kingdom of heaven. God has built us to sell out for him. It's hardwired into our DNA to sell out for something. And so you are absolutely going to sell out for something in your life. What is it going to be? In this short little parable, the man decided, I'm selling out for the kingdom of heaven. I'm selling out for God. I'm getting rid of everything that I have. And I'm willingly surrendering all of these things so that I can have this treasure. If it's not the kingdom of heaven, what will it be? It'll be your kid's sports. If it's not the kingdom of heaven that you sell out for, what will it be? It will be your promotion. It will be your job. It will be your house. It will be your car. It'll be your marriage. It'll be yourself. I saw a quote the other day that said, those who devote themselves to themselves will have ultimately nothing but themselves to show for themselves. You ready? You ready? I'll read again. It's Andy Stanley. You can look this one up. Those who devote themselves to themselves will ultimately have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. So at least the others, you'd have something else to show, but all of those things are temporary compared to the eternal glorification of God that we get when we go and sell everything for the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. The treasure of the kingdom of heaven is is one of those treasures that opens up and gets greater and greater and greater with every passing moment and every every passing glance as you you cherish it and open it up and, and savor it. Yes, salvation is a part of it. No, you should never grow bored with your salvation because you needed a savior far more greatly than you could ever realize. And not just you, me. I've been reminded of my need for a savior this morning. Right? You get frustrated about stupid things. And you're like, why do I get frustrated about stupid things? God, I need you. I need you. We should never get bored with the salvation that he's given us, but we shouldn't limit God to just our salvation. He's not a busboy or a butler to serve only our salvation. 
What happens is we make it too small and then we try and make him a part of our lives instead of immersing ourselves in his life. And that's the invitation that we have. To you who were baptized today, it's an invitation not just to get baptized one time and to remember that forever, but it's walking into the kingdom of heaven and enjoying the presence, the power, the pleasure of God every single day. My, my great fear is that we've asked for ta- far too little from ourselves for God because in this, there's this funny thing, isn't there? Salvation is absolutely free, but the kingdom costs us everything and they're both true at the same time. It's free and costs us everything to experience the life and the kingdom of heaven the way that God designs and intends for us to be able to experience him. He goes, sells all that he has and buys the field. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was, remember that sermon, John 1, 1. I realized the other day that that wasn't just a history lesson. God wasn't just telling us, though he was, and it's helpful that he did, that he existed before time and that he set everything in motion as Jesus, that the word existed there. He was saying, I want to be the beginning of everything that you do too. I want to be the start of everything that you do. I want to be the start of your day. I want to be the start of your life. I want to be the start of your finances. I want to be the start of your parenting. I want to be the start of your marriage. I want to be the start of your friendships. I want to be the start of everything that you are. I was, at the be- I was before all things and set all things in motion. And he wants to be before all things, eminent in all things in your life as well, to set everything in motion in your life also. It's exciting, isn't it? This is what we're being invited into. The gift of salvation is free. The kingdom of heaven costs us everything. Let's not cheapen the gospel by making it only about our salvation, making it only about our personal relationship, which is important and it's critical. It's, it's, a, it's a key part of our, of our theology that, that he did save us and we need individual saving and we need to individually cry out to him. But that's not all that he's about. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would make us aware of your greater purposes. You would stir our hearts for your kingdom, that you would help us to fall more in love with you, that you would help us to receive the gift of salvation freely and openly with all the grace that you've given us. But God, we would sell everything for the privilege of experiencing the fullness of your kingdom on this earth. We wouldn't just wait for heaven to see you face to face. We wouldn't wait for someone else to serve the needy. We wouldn't wait for someone else to demonstrate love and humility and compassion. But you would stir our hearts, our minds, our lives for your purpose and your kingdom in this life. In Jesus' name.